You're listening to Evolution Digital, where we talk about how various industries have adopted technology to stay relevant and competitive in today's digital market. I'm Tracy Sheckel. Welcome back to Evolution Digital. Telehealth is today's topic. Dr. Stanley Whittemore of the Bucksport Regional Health Center in Maine is my guest, and he has an interesting story about the center's expansion of telehealth options and some telling data about how patients feel about using telehealth. Good morning, Dr. Whittemore. How are you today? Good morning. It's a wonderful day. I'm very well, thank you. Great. I'm really glad to have you here today to talk about telemedicine and pre-pandemic telemedicine, what things are looking like now while we're in the throes of the pandemic, and then perhaps how you see the future of telemedicine changing. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about the Bucksport Regional Health Center, what you do there, what the center does, who your population is? Certainly. The Bucksport Regional Health Center is a federally qualified health center, meaning we serve a large population from Medicare, Maine Care, and um, the entire community. We have a dental services there too. We have two dentists and two dental hygienists. And we also have six mental health therapists that serve as the school therapists for the Bucksport Regional School District as well as um, running several medically-assisted treatment programs for substance abuse. And they provide our day-to-day counseling in a very integrative model where the clinical medical people interact with the dental people, interact with the behavioral health people to provide full services to our community. Fabulous. I'm the uh, medical director and help oversee the day-to-day operations. But I have a wonderful support staff there. Our electronic medical record person is able to work on setting up the access through the portal, a patient portal for setting up televisits. We have trained several people to be telehealth support desk people. So the Patients can call in and get immediate help at our help desk. Awesome. And we have a number of other support people that are just very helpful in this whole time. So what did your telehealth program efforts look like, say, a year ago? A year ago, we had no telehealth capability. Um, We knew that our electronic medical record had the capability of setting that up, but all of our providers were present. Um, We felt that all the patients could get in or we could talk over the phone with them. Starting in July of last year, one of our providers uh, left his clinical practice and moved up to Caribou for a practice that he wanted to basically retire into, but he had been very much involved in setting up the medical assisted treatment program at Bucksport, and he wanted to continue with his group of patients. So we needed to figure out a way to allow him to connect with his individual patients during 
the group meeting time every Tuesday evening from Caribou. For the people that are listening that are not in Maine, the distance from Caribou to Bucksport is what, about three hours? Three to four hours away, 175 miles. Okay. North. Yeah, just for reference, because there are people listening elsewhere that would okay. have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> so this provider uh, moved to Caribou, which is 175 miles north, and continued to be able to connect with his individual patients while they were present in the office for their group session with the therapist. Now, there were lots of glitches when that first started. He ended up having to just call in and do some phone calls. But we quickly trained the behavioral health medical assistant to learn the technology to help the patient get set up while they were there in the Bucksport office and the doctor was up in Caribou. This became more and more successful over the weeks that followed because he did this every Tuesday evening, and this got us set up just to be prepared to expand the services when called upon. There were many technical problems when we first got started, and we were able to have experience. Interesting that, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I'm guessing that when did you come to the realization that this was going to need to be expanded in order to accommodate COVID? Not until um, really the first cases started arriving. The first case of COVID just showed up in Maine on March 12th. We were still seeing patients in the office that week. But the week of March 22nd, we were entirely closed to any but the most acute visits, people that we needed to see. All routine visits were declared unnecessary by the state. And we had to adapt quite quickly. Wow. And so obviously currently we're still in shutdown. Everything is happening telemedicine by telemedicine right now? No, actually um, the latest guidelines as of um, a week or two ago, uh, routine procedures can start taking place as long as there are safeguards in place. We've developed over the last 10 weeks uh, many safeguards on how to keep the employees and the patients safe in actually coming into our facility. All the patients are screened over the phone before they arrive. Um, Then when they arrive, they're screened by medical assistants at the front door and their temperature's taken. All the employees are screened every day when they come into work. So we also try to have routine or well child care, well care in the mornings and bring anybody with symptoms or illness in in the afternoon to separate people. We're finding that we are having a lot of people who still are very scared to come in, no matter what we guarantee in terms of the program that we have and others that want to come in. And some of the providers certainly want some patients to come in. So we found a mix. Mm -hmm. And so percentage-wise, obviously you went from approximately zero to what was the peak of the number of people you were serving before 
some of the restrictions got lifted? Well, if we start with the very first week that we went into basically lockdown, in the Bucksport medical area, we had 95 phone visits and 22 televisits, 43 face-to-face. So 27% of the visits were face-to-face. Medical in Bucksport has kept that percentage all the way along until we started to lift the restrictions just in this last week, we encouraged mm-hmm. restrictions to be lifted, and we're up to 41% face-to-face visits now. And so from the perspective of connectivity, I can't imagine that in, in the area that you're in, which is fairly rural, as is most of Maine, were there concerns and issues with your patients having the connectivity to even take advantage of services? Oh, Definitely. A couple of weeks into the process, we started to say, we need to figure out from the patient standpoint, how are they doing with this? How are they perceiving the visit? Is it worthwhile? Are we meeting their needs? What are the percentage of people who are able to connect? And so our telehealth support team started a survey, and we found that only 48% of our patients were able to connect by audio and visual. And so there were a number of reasons. Uh, A lot of our population is elderly, as is the population in Maine, and they don't have a smartphone. They don't have a computer. We found that some of the younger people with smartphones, especially in our um, medically-assisted program and just our main care population, they can't afford a big data plan so that they were resistant to do a video visit because it took way too much data for them. So technology definitely is in the way, and then there is the bandwidth problem for a number of them. We tested out several different platforms, and the audiovisual telehealth visit platform within our electronic medical record turned out to take a lot of bandwidth. I don't have the exact numbers on that, but we found that Zoom took up much less bandwidth and we were able to make better connections with people who had marginal bandwidth. And there have been some other apps that were developed by some companies that cater to physicians, and one is called Doximity, and they developed a dialer app where a provider can call a patient from their cell phone and the patient will see the phone number of our office so we don't have to worry about giving out our personal cell phone number. And then they developed a a video app also, and they've advanced that to the point that that is able to be seen on the computer as well. So the provider can carry out the visit on the big screen, which is much easier than carrying it out on the cell phone screen. I'm sure. Well, and I recently learned, I mentioned to you before we started recording today, that I recently learned that telephone consulting was not something that insurance cover companies would cover prior to where we are today? That's correct. Always in the past, telephone conversations were felt to be probably too easy to 
just have a phone conversation and not document, not record, not make sure that you were going through all the elements that make up a real evaluation and management visit. And so we, even in our own practice, had a very difficult time trying to figure out what's the difference between a telehealth video visit, a phone visit, what about the phone encounters, the messages that we get from patients calling in with a question or sending us an email with a question. And we learned it was easiest to distinguish what patients are on our schedule in the electronic medical record. And then we identify those as they're going to happen by phone or by video. But they were all prepared by the medical assistants. Medications were gone through. Concerns were brought up. We ran it as a regular visit. And that is to contrast with what we would call a telephone encounter, where we're having a brief encounter with a patient, just ask them about their specific individual concern right then. Right. The reimbursements in the past have been very different, and they are very different now. So the if we do just a plain telephone encounter, a brief uh, check-in with a patient, as we'll say, those are now being reimbursed, but at a much lower rate than a complete visit that we may do by right. audio or video. Mm-hmm. And the rules were just changed during this pandemic to be able to allow phone only, and especially in rural areas like Maine, where they realize that many of the people do not have computers, do not have smartphones, and yet we could still carry on business quite as usual with the phone only if we went through all the elements. Right. Well, and I guess this is the point in our conversation where we talk about, you know, how you see the future of telemedicine. And my understanding is that the restrictions that have been lifted on being able to build telephone telemedicine as opposed to video conferencing are at this point temporary. And you know, the fact is that Maine is one of those very rural states where aside from people not having computers or cell phones, they may not have the connectivity, either cellular or broadband, even if they have the device. Yes. So first, tell me how you think this change is going to impact how people will use telemedicine going forward. And then we'll go back a little bit, I think, to the connectivity issue. Well, and I'd also like to just talk about how the patients feel about the experience. I told you we had the um, only 48% were able to do a video visit. And we asked them how were, how their goals were met for the visit. Did we meet your goals? 82% said that we met all the goals the people had for the visit. We asked them, how do you feel your provider listened, understood, and dealt with your problems, your concerns? And 64% of the people said we exceeded their expectations. 33% said we met them. Doesn't get much better than that. No. We asked them how they'd rate their visit on the phone or the audio visual versus an in-person visit. And I was shocked that the average rating was 7 out of a 1 to 10 scale. 
And I started to think my in-person life was over <laughs> uh, because that, that, that was worrisome. We asked them how likely they would be to schedule another televisit in the future on a one to 10 scale. Nine was the average on that. So definitely the patients that had these experiences would do it again. Luckily, when we asked people for comments, inevitably people wanted in-person visits with their provider as the primary option with the telehealth being available in winter bad you know we'll never have a snow day again we can always just switch to televisits right right people are very appreciative of having the ability to have a visit with a provider right now so that they do not have to leave their house they do not have to go out they don't have to feel like they could potentially be exposed in the doctor's office well, and it's interesting, my perception of telemedicine, and I'm, you know, I'm in denial, I'm almost 60 years old, but my perception of telemedicine is that it's for old people. And I never really gave a thought to it being any different until now, where, you know, my young grandchildren may need to have attention. And rather than bring them in someplace where they can get infected, yeah. it's done over the telephone and my 30-year-old daughter, the same thing. And so it's really not just for old people. And I think not that there's anything really good that's come out of this pandemic, but I think it helps people understand the significance of having this available to us. Well, I think that's right. It's going to be an option, hopefully, for people in the future. And if we talk about the older population first, certainly the um, visits that would work very well for them would be conjoint visits, uh, bringing a family member in on a line. If a family member lives far away, set up a, a joint video visit with the family member and a parent and the doctor. Right when the visiting nurse is in the patient's house, having a video visit set up with a provider would immensely increase the communication between the visiting nurse service and the provider. Uh, patients who are on hospice and we never see them again in the office, there's certainly, we miss the link with our patients and right. this would be a great way to be able to continue that connection. A number of visiting nurse services have what it's called remote patient monitoring. And this means the patients have a blood pressure cuff, a scale, a pulse oximeter, and some of the visiting nurse services have that information directly transmitted to the visiting nurse services home office. I could see that being set up to come directly into the provider's office too in the future. And we have through a main primary care association uh, a fund available for various health centers to order equipment to be able to lend to patients for blood pressure monitoring scales etc so um, that is for the older population for the homebound population the younger population uh, the working population the comments we got were uh, this saved me a whole lot of time. I didn't have to travel to the office, wait in the waiting room, go back to the office. I could work and check in for my visit and be all set. 
There are many of our visits that are just for a medication change and a check back. What did it do to your blood pressure? How did this antidepressant help or not? What kind of side effects? Right. Did you get over this infection that you had? How are you feeling? Those are quick check-ins that if you get a proper history, which is 90% of every visit is the talking. There are many places, many instances where the physical eyes on is not all that necessary. Right. And so the patients understand the check bag visits uh, on stable conditions are ideal for the televisits. So crystal ball time, I know, and you've said this to me offline, that personal connection is important and you would miss your patients if you didn't see them. What do you think is going to happen going forward? Is it going to be a let's avoid the snow day thing? Or if there's a flu going around, people will stay home and telemedicine rather than chance exposing themselves. What do you see as the future and what do you see as the challenges to getting there? The future I see is a fairly small amount of telemedicine, televisits happening. I think that uh, probably 80, 90% of the visits will be in person and maybe that'll change it all will depend upon the reimbursement rates but i see the challenges being when in a day's schedule are you going to do the televisits i feel a whole lot more time pressure on the televisit because i know a person's just on the other end of a wire and they can walk away at any time When I have them sitting in the waiting room or in the exam room next door, I tend to run over on my patients and get behind, but I know those people are there. They're not going to leave. So the time pressure is increased for providers to stay on schedule with these remote visits. Um, The um, other challenge uh, will certainly be the equipment for the patient to have the proper computer, the proper cell phone, enough data, and the broadband access. We do serve a wide range. Patients come from, some of them, 50, 100 miles away. And certainly they would be served much better through a telehealth visit. Right. I see in the future um, being able to get some consultations via telehealth. And dermatology has always been a model for this, that you can get a decent enough camera picture of a skin lesion. Mm-hmm. Um, the dermatologists are, are used to doing teleconsult because um, in our area, there's basically one dermatology group um, that serves a hundreds of miles radius area. So... I think behavioral health, the counseling, serves its purpose as uh, being able to be done telehealth, especially if you're needing a higher level medication management, psychiatric input. I know several practices around here had been doing telehealth psychiatry for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we had not done that. Yeah. Well, and I just... I have to, I can't help myself here because you're the provider and I'm the patient. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the idea of not having 
to be stuck in a waiting room because you went over yes. with a patient. I just got to get that out. I agree. I, you know, we have to be flexible <laughs> and learn to do that. It's, it was interesting then just surveying the providers, um, how they're doing with telehealth. Um, some of them are saying, you know, there's no joy in my day anymore. I get up and I, I see sitting behind the computer all day. I don't like that. I yeah. want that interaction with the patient. When you're dealing with younger people and babies and all, a pediatrician wrote in the New York Times last week about how she always uses the in-person visit to see how the mom's interacting with the baby, getting down mm-hmm. under the desk with the baby, seeing it crawl around. And um, there is a lot in various age groups that you miss if you're not in the same room with them and just that that energy. So I think there will always be a mix. I think patients should have the option of what serves their needs best at that time. Mm-hmm. And I think we will have a have a good mix. I think the the broadband issues are still immense. I live in an area where I have a dual DSL line. I at the best can get 18 megabytes per second download and two upload. And I have a terrible time with my connection on our in medical record application. I typically go to a different platform to make that communication better. Well, and I have to say, and I don't know if this is going to come through when this recording gets engineered, but periodically through your conversation, there's a lag in your voice. And I was wondering if it was a connectivity issue. So Mm. what better way to make the point that connectivity is an issue and hopefully that will change over time as providers like us start to build more and hopefully it'll just keep getting better. Anyway, we should probably wrap up now. I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time and I understand that you're tired of sitting at computer screens and thanks for spending the last half hour sitting at one with me. You're welcome, Tracy. I appreciate the chance to give some information about the future of medicine and how we're managing now. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job. So thanks so much. You're welcome. Next time on Evolution Digital, we'll head to Missouri and talk to the folks at the Missouri State Fair. You'll be surprised to learn how important connectivity has become to an agricultural fair. As always, thanks for listening. Stay well. See you next time.